Welcome to another episode of For the Culture Podcast, a soccer podcast for us, by us. You got your boy, Grego here. Tony and Ringo are out here in the wilderness, you know, doing God's work. So I had to make a call from back home, back from Richmond. I had to make hey, a call man. from my homie, L.E.R. Yogi, what is going on, bro? Nothing much, Richmond. you know, holding down for 804. You had to bring a little bit HBCU flavor onto the podcast, so you had to keep it up. I'm here for oh, it. Yeah. Got it. Got to keep it coming <laughs> all, all, all the time, man. You know, uh, like I said, I had a great call back home. Said so 804, I got, I, I need you, man. So like, yeah, I'm so glad you're able to come on the show with us, man. No, nah, yeah. man, it's an honor, yo. I give you guys a lot of respect because of what you guys been doing, yo. Like I tell uh, everyone that listens to the podcast, like, yo, we need to check out Border Culture. You guys are definitely. I want to say breaking ground when it comes to soccer podcast. So that's up to y'all. Hey, hey we're, tr- we're trying trying to go to the Lord's work, man. You know, hopefully, surely, <laughs> but surely, man. But uh, we got it. We got a show for y'all tonight. We got a um, we got a special interview with uh, Brothers of Amigos, Cal uh, and April. Of course, if you've been following our social media the past week, uh, we've been blasting. We we uh, we made a, a summer scarf with them. Parted up with them uh, for that. I wanted to have them on the show, you know, just talk about, you know, how things are going with uh, Fort Madison um, culture, and and also, of course, with with, uh, with Elliot here on the show. Uh, everyone is is League One, so you know we well, we're able to, you know, kind of kind of talk about, you know, uh, the tribulations of, of League One. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sure y'all you know that a little too well. <laughs> Yeah, hey, yo, it's it's rough, man. I always know how Dick feels, Dick fans feel right now, and that's not something I thought I would ever say, yo. Oh God, oh God, man, listen. Um, <laughs> is it, is it I Black feel bad for him, yo. Was it Black Sunday? Was it Black Sunday? Because I was like, yo, like, how do you just? It is it's crazy, like when you really think about it, because you know they went. Went... Is it really crazy? Is it really crazy? Like, yes, we know yes. how bad of an owner James Dolan is. No, because like, yeah, you got you got to rewind it back for a second. Because like, you know, they they traded Porzingis back in February for basically nothing for the for the expectation like, hey, we'll be able to, to get Kyrie, we'll be able to get KD, everything's going to be good, you know, come summertime, and, and they get nothing. They get Wayne Ellington. I'm like, bruh, like. You know, it's, that's crazy, yeah. That's crazy. Like that, and then, that's why I'm not lose them. And then not just to lose them, but they lost them to Brooklyn. It's like you so basically the guys that you want, they just next door. They said, Hey, we'll be right over here. <laughs> Yo, just you know how petty I'm a petty person when it comes to sports. If I'm like if Brooklyn wins the championship, you know what I'm doing? I'm driving the float like right past Madison Square Garden. Like that's <laughs> right past Madison Square Garden is gonna loop around. We're gonna do two around the garden, and then we're gonna finish off at the Barclays Center. Like that's yo, like that's just insane to me. I'm like, like you lot, like it'd be one thing if like you said, okay, y'all went to y'all went to Portland, y'all went to OKC, y'all went to Miami. That's where Jimmy Butler went, but y'all went right next door to Brooklyn. And <laughs> that's just it's that's crazy, just. Man. That's just so wild, and of 
course, uh, Kevin Durant, he's he, he's going to wait. He's got the wait a year because, you know, you got to rehab uh, his Achilles. But I tell you, 2020 is going to be fucking lit up in the Barclays Center. It's going to be oh. like, yo, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be insane, yo. It's going to be insane. It, I'm telling you, it's going to be one of the most and, and like you're going things to, have, to watch. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Ah, oh, so let's 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 stretch this out real quick. You know, the women <laughs> going to the final, like they 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 made it. You know, yeah, and nonetheless, we should excellence. You know what? You know, I, I've talked about this on the show the past couple of weeks, you know, because especially, though, know, like you saw like how dominant they were in that first match. And then they've been sweated out so far in the in the knockout stages. Like I probably say like the, the, the toughest match probably was that that Spain match. And but what I but what I will say, having having seen everything, experience still still counts for for a lot. You know, you know oh, because, yeah, yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. Like you can tell, you can tell. Cause I think, like, if you go back to the France game uh, back on Friday, uh, you know, you had the the, the Rapino takeover, you know, and I think that <coughs> it definitely came down to the fact that you have one team who knows how to handle these pressure situations in the World Cup. And you had a team who who played nervous and, and play and they were pressed as shit because what once that, that first uh, free kick goal came, it's like they got popped in the mouth and it took them a while to like really, you know, get their, their shit back together. Yeah. And, and um, you know, they, they managed to get, you know, one back, you know, with uh Wendy Renard who was a giant. I'm like, she's like my height. I'm like I was like, you stand out, like, Yo, everywhere. She, she's a beast. I think she was France's leading scorer in the whole World Cup. Because I think she scored, what, four or three goals? Like, she was showing off. I know she scored two to open the game. And I don't know if she scored any after that. But mm. she was showing off. Like, after this tournament, I was like, yo, this is somewhere I need to, like, keep my eye on. Just because just how well she played. You know, like I like, said, it's, 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 it's crazy because, like, you know, most of uh, the French national team, like they play either for PSG or for Lyon, and for the most part, like not only have they been French football, they've also been running European football. Like, uh, like, like Lyon has won like, like, like uh, I don't want to say like four of the past uh, women's Champions Leagues. Like, it's. It's they they've been like the dominant force like it's not even close and yeah. and you know so like and I think when people saw that they and then also saw like how they beat the U.S. I think it was back in February um, beat them at home pretty handily I I, I think people had the uh, you know the the perception that hey you know we yeah, they might be able to knock the U.S. down but like I said. And experience goes a long way. It really goes yeah. a long way. Like, you know what France really showed? Their priests, like, pre- friendlies mean nothing. Like, it, they're almost like, it's not saying they are like the Cleveland Browns, but you know how the Cleveland Browns would win every game in preseason and then the season start, and they would, like, yeah. literally 
cracked the bread, cracked the bed. <laughs> that, that's what happened. The thing, and you think about experience is true, but also think about it like this. Every game that the U.S. went into, outside of Thailand and Chile game, everyone was rooting for the other team to win. And it was almost like they put the entire spotlight on the other team. It's like the U.S. was going there playing with house money. Remember all the talks about Sweden. Can the U.S. stay competitive against Sweden? Can Sweden do this? Can Sweden do that? And it's like the U.S. is playing with house money. Like, y'all forgot that we just put up 15 goals and shout out to the teams. They go in there, they beat Sweden. Then we played Spain. What's everything you heard about that game? Spain's playing in their first knockout stage. They're this hyper-competitive team. They got players from Barca, players from Atlético Madrid. USA, granted, they gave up an error goal, but they wiped the floor with them. They get past that game. Then we go into the France game. What's the old thing you hear about that? France, U.S. is truly playing with house money at this point because it's like, all right, you score first, you get the crowding advantage, but if we score right after you, all that gets sucked out and then you're trying to get back. You up goes up 2 nothing, and France literally, until the last 10 minutes, is just pressing, trying their hardest to get anything to get back into the game. And if it's not for a mistake on a free kick, we blink France out in the quarterfinals. And then up against mm-hmm. England, you had the whole English tabloids and Piers Morgan talking stupid out of his mouth, trying to make it do- this whole big story about how we're going to get washed by England and it's coming home and England's the greatest team to the U.S. will ever face. Like, and to be quite frankly with you, yes, it was a tight game. It was a very competitive game. Even my wife, who doesn't watch soccer, was like, and I'm not going to watch women's soccer. came to play, like, you know. Huh? At least, uh, at least... England came to play because I, I I think that you know unlike France, you know they were able to respond relatively quickly. And that is true. I will give England that they responded really quickly. And also, like Bill Neville surprised the hell out of me because I didn't think he was. I I was shocked when I heard he got the job. Yeah, uh, I really uh, expected you know, especially for him being such a big name for Manchester United. You know, back in the day. And, and with Everton, all that they necessarily saw, you know, that he would, ne- would go into women's soccer like that. Um, I'm still mad at him for how he how he tried to dog out the Cam- uh, Cameroon team. But I do, I do think that, oh, you know. And you know the funny thing is, with Ealing, what happened? They got denied the VAR or something. And they started going off and, like, acting crazy. Only you saw on Twitter, it's like, it's a disgrace how England's acting. And they're disgracing their nation. I was like, the African... Yeah. Emmy is laughing so much right now because it's, it's like literally the pot call, calling, like the pot calling the kettle black. Like yeah, you're saying absolutely. our players should have acted like that, but then your players acting like you're even acting like that. Like it's an emotional game. You're gonna act that way when you feel like you've been robbed. It's the heat of the moment. Yeah, because like they had, um, they had one goal, one goal that was back. You know, barely had maybe an ankle or toe. Um, uh, pushing off sides, you know, there's always, you know, and, and that's really unfortunate there because, you know, when it's that close and, you know, you, of course, it takes away all the momentum that they had, that they were trying to build at that point. Of course, yeah. they, they weren't able to get that goal back. Uh, they, they did have a big moment there was that they did have a penalty call, called on there uh, in the, I think it was like in the, in the 80th minute. 
and uh, Allison Nair. Like, like, like we, England, they choked we, it. You know, we've knocked uh, Allison Nair on this show. Like, you know, we thought that Adriana France should have been the starter, but you no, know, she she earned her keep a million times over. No, she's well, first of all, it was it was a it was a sorry ass um, PK attempt. Um, oh, horrible! And just the fact that <laughs> look, it, I played center back correctly, and I could probably do better than that. Yeah, and like it's crazy to me, like how they did not call their leading scorer. I think it was uh, White, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't understand why she didn't take. It. I don't know if that was the thing. Like I heard some coaches say, like if you get fouled, they don't want you to take it just because of. Like the nerves and like the adrenaline, but at that moment, I would have been like, "Yo, you take this shot!" Like I would have gave it to Brighton, who hasn't really been in the form of, you know, the motion of kicking a ball like that. You know, that's just me. But, but I would have gave it to White. It's like, but yeah, they they definitely had you know very English moments like they because like I didn't realize like I didn't I hadn't counted it up like they missed three PKs like during the whole tournament. So it's like, you know. Like, that's, that's something that they're going to have to work on. Because, like, you know, especially given that, like, especially, but, like, like you definitely see it, like, all over the place in Europe now. Like, like they're definitely taking women's soccer more seriously now on the club level. And yeah. think that for, for where everyone went this year, whether it be uh, Italy, Spain, England, of course, France, um, you're gonna, you're definitely gonna see a major progression, I think, going into the next World Cup in 2023. Because all this, all that's gonna happen is that the money is gonna get, you know, even bigger. And especially now with you know Real Madrid's uh, coming into the spot too. So, they, yeah, that's they, they can't, they can't be, a, they can't be a cheap Real Madrid. They have to be whatever the biggest spender is. It has to be them, like otherwise. Oh yeah, be you know, yo, it wouldn't surprise me if like Florentino Perez is at the world. Like as soon as USA wins the World Cup, yes, I'm saying we're going to win it because we're going to win it. I can imagine him like as soon as the players walk off the stage with their gold medals, Florentino is there with like a contract, like hey, sign for Real Madrid for this amount of money. Oh yeah, uh, here. If if, if, if here. there's not here. If not, if it's not at least three or four Americans on Real Madrid, I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, it's it's really that simple. Because like you have you have the World Cup champions, and you're talking about your Real Madrid. I'm like, it to me, it would just make no sense. Oh yeah, I, I, most definitely. I know, most definitely. I know, I know that the national team has their thing with U.S. soccer, but I'm like, nah. Like, you need to, I tell the women, go get your paper. It's as simple as that. Go get your oh, paper. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll tell any athlete, look, Real Madrid they're coming, calling you, go, go, buddy, go, go. Absolutely, man. Uh, on the flip side of that, we we got, you know, the the men's team. You know, Brandon, they're actually, you know, they, they made it to the semifinals. So, like, I think, you know, if you go back to my rant a couple weeks back, you know, they, they've at least done that. You know, they've uh, they, they've they were able to make it to the, um, to the semifinals. It wasn't easy, you know. Curacao, you know, like I think they made. I think Curacao that was a trap game, you know. Like I think they, obviously, they, they took it that seriously. And Curacao, like it's not like Curacao. You gotta remember, like uh, up in in uh, in the Netherlands. So they, of course, they 
grew up in that system. So it's not like you're really dealing necessarily with scrubs. It's just that, you know, they have to be eligible for this team as well. And and it's not like, you know, like they like it's not like they, they don't know the game. So I think they they made it a lot more tougher than it should have been. We won nil. Uh, we got Jamaica once again um, in the semifinals. Um, t- 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 tell me this, uh, Yogi. Um, like, what's what's your take on uh, us using Zardis and Josie up front? Because you know, all things considered, they, like, they come together at the same time, or like how they're going right now. This is just how they're going right now. Like, like you know, cause I, like me personally, you know, I have the belief that. We should have called up um, Sergeant um, for, for that because like it, it still annoys me that he wasn't on either the U twenty World Cup team or the the Gold Cup team and, and you know and of course everyone's you know over, everyone's talking about being frustrated but I'm like you know you had options like you you could have you could have found a way to get Sergeant some action to just kind of see like how he would fare in this environment and like you know when yeah. You still could have used uh, Josie and Zardis as your main guys, but I also think that, you know, you kind of have to have an eye towards the future because I don't think that, you know, Josie's going to be at least be made a priority during this cycle, and I'm hoping to God that Zardis isn't a priority. (laughs) Um, I would say this. It's so weird because if you go back prior to 2017, the debacle that happened, think about the last gold couple we're in. We were talking about having who? Bobby Wood, Aaron Johansson, uh, Josie Altano, all kind of fighting for that starting striker position. Remember that? Yeah. And now Aaron Johansson still is having ligament issues. He's kind of getting back into favor at um, Werner Bremen with, uh, oddly enough, Jeff Sargent. Sharp's going to end up taking his spot. Yeah, and Bobby Wood is no longer wanted by Hamburg. And that's not his fault. It's kind of like Hamburg is like, we need to get promoted back into Bundesliga so we can't have your contract. Hanover got relegated, so they have to offload all these people off their books. So he's kind of like stuck in a weird place and he don't know where he's going. Mm -hmm. Zardes, the only reason why I can get why why um, Greg wants to use Zardes is because, one, he's implementing the system and you want to use pieces you're familiar with. I get playing Zardes against the lower league team. Not the lower league teams, but the lower opposition teams. Kind of friendly to get guys on the ball, get them used to it. Now, Zardes' right. finishing ability, we all know. It's, it's not there. <clears throat> but what I think Zardes does, I think he does a good job at pulling away space to allow other people to fill in. So if you ever look at Zardes, he does a great job of like being central and then he'll divert to the far post or divert near post that pulls, it usually pulls a center back out or pulls a fullback out. Mm. Now, does that work in every situation? No, it's kind of like a one trick pony. Like once you do the trick once, you can't do it every game expected to work off. Mm-hmm. Jose, I would say is the better version of that because Josie has the fellowship ability. But the thing about Josie is, you know, you can't pay play Jose multiple games for ninety minutes without his hamstrings going to crap. So 
I think the thing about that is you kind of almost got to play it smart. I expect to see Jose play against Jamaica. I expect to see him to play against Mexico. The Carousel game, like you said, yeah, we went in there. How many? We went in there with the expectation of we should win this game easily. You know, we have the ability. We can get through this. What I would say, what I'm more impressed with is the fact of this is a game that not even two years ago, a year ago, the U.S. would have went in there lackadaisical with no kind of ideas, wouldn't have gotten the goal, wouldn't have had a shot on goal, would have looked crappy in offense, would have looked crappy in defense. And it would have just been like, well, the U.S. is great way we win. But instead, you can kind of see the U.S. had a formation. They had an, a shape and an idea of what they wanted to do. I guess that's where I'm kind of at with this right now, because like we've also, like you've also said, we talked about it on Facebook, like how the Gold Cup is pretty much just a testing term because at the end, it doesn't mean anything, right? Because mm-hmm. that, no that was something that, that that was something that kind of like, you know, threw me off because like, you know, so usually the Gold Cup, uh, the winner of the Gold Cup ends up going to the Confederations Cup. Uh, for those of you who have heard, they're actually dropping the, the Confederations Cup entirely in favor of doing the club. And so that now, now that kind of leads me to thinking like, okay, what's the point of the Gold Cup now when there's... The Gold Cup, what's the point of Copa America, the Euros, the AFCON Cup of Nations? Like, what's the point of it anymore? Because it's other than really care about the World Cup. Other than you know, just the uh, the, the the regional pride. It's like you know, it's like it, it doesn't really lead to anything uh, anything fast. Of course, obviously you'll you'll eventually have the World Cup, but um, I think that the, the Confederations Cup actually you know served a purpose there, and yeah, you know, yeah, having like yeah. a, have winners of all the all the regional tournaments and ha- having having them uh, uh, fight it out. That, it's it's really unfortunate that they decided to get rid of that because I think that especially I, both from a selfish as- aspect, but as well as just you know just a general actual competition need. I think that um, yeah, that's, that's it's really unfortunate that um, that they have it. Yeah. Uh, of course, oh, especially for us, especially for us, given that you know. We're we're in a spot now where, uh, you know, we have to really rebuild our our talent pool and our depth. And I've always believed that you know the more tournaments that we have, the better. And when you take away a tournament that that we could possibly be playing in, it's like okay, now we have to figure out like how another way to rest to further our our, our depth chart. Uh, I haven't heard officially yet because I know, um, of course, they're having the Copa America uh, right now in Brazil, and we're gonna, we're going to get on that in a little bit. But they also have another one next year, and I think they're they're um, moving to uh, uh, even year uh, uh, tournaments. So like they'll they'll have one next year, and then the ne- the next uh, Copa America won't be until twenty twenty four. So. So uh, um, I'm guessing that we'll we'll be involved in it. I haven't heard anything official yet on that, but yeah, that that might be a stopgap. But yeah, I think that getting rid of the Confederations Cup is uh, that that's a mistake there. But um, of course, we got uh, on Thursday we got Jamaica 
once again, you know, we we lost to them here in Atlanta back in 2015. I was there for that match. Uh, we actually beat them uh, back in 2017 in the Gold Cup final. So, like, I guess it's kind of like a rubber match out there. You know, I hope that, you know, we're not, I hope we're not, you know, sleeping on them because obviously we, they've shown they can beat us. Yeah, it's going to be a real interesting match because I think Jamaica is probably outside of Costa Rica. And I know they're not a Caribbean island, but I think Jamaica probably is the fourth best team in in CONCACAF. And it's going to, it's going to be at a great test. I mean, Jamaica has a lot of great talent. I don't know if Leon, Leon, Leon Bailey has played yet. I haven't really been following his yeah. Yeah. Oh, he is? Okay. Because yeah. I saw that he finally made it official. Slow start for him. Yeah, 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 like he, uh, yeah, he got he got his um, papers through, and he's been on the roster, and he's been playing it. Like it's it's been a, a relatively slow start for him. Um, I think that just him getting acclimated to his teammates, because uh, like because mine's like he wasn't playing any friendlies at all. Like he basically like his uh, his debut was basically like this this gold cup, and I think that. Uh, so I remember uh, the from the long he really just wanted to play for England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, yeah, he was trying to work work that out, and once it, I guess he realized that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, yeah, he went, went ahead and uh, went back to uh, to Jamaica. Um, I mean that that's, that whole thing is kind of a complicated deal to begin with there because you know, especially you know just the relationship with England and pretty much most of the West Indy uh, nations like, like yeah. This. Oh no! I was saying, look, I'm just—I don't know. It felt weird when I heard that he said that he was going to join Jamaica because for the longest it was Jamaica would be like, "Hey, we want you to play," and he would be like, "Nah, I don't want to play for y'all. Y'all not good enough. Y'all not for my level." And he kept holding him at arms distance, having you know hard eyes at England, and then England pretty much was like, dude, we don't want you. Like, you're not gonna play here. And he was like, he goes back to Jamaica, like, hey, but you guys have me back. Like, it just seemed kind of off, kind of weird to me, man. So, I mean, it's good to see that he's playing internationally now because he's definitely that caliber of player. But I think it's just the way how he went about went about it that kind of just brought me the wrong way. Oh yeah, absolutely, I, I, and I think that you know you you kind of see that sometimes, especially I think that, uh, the past couple cycles with um with the German American players. I, I call them the Jamaicans. Uh, um, you know, you like I think that for for some of them, you kind of had the the idea that you know may, uh, you know maybe they're holding out hope that. Germany will call them up, and I'm like, of course, in my mind, I'm like, if you're not playing for Bayern, you're probably not going to get called. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. If you're not applying for Bayern, Dortmund, Schalke, or what's the other one? Or uh, well, or Leipzig, you're probably uh-huh. not, things are getting called up or slim to possibly not. It's the same thing in England. Like, if you're not playing for the top six, unless you had, like, an extraordinary year that's off the records, you're probably yeah. not getting called into England. Yeah. It's usually yeah, how it is. Yeah, it's crazy. And um but yeah, I think that I think Bailey is where he belongs. Um and I think about it, of course if, if he's been watching them, Jamaica's not a not a bad team at all. Like, like I said, they've 
they've made the last two Gold Cup finals. I'm like, they're not scrubs whatsoever. So I think no, that, like they are a legit team. Like yeah. They can ball out. And I think that, you know, having a player like him will hopefully kind of get them over the hump. Not so much, you know, as far as the Gold Cup goes, but I think more importantly, would actually qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. That out and, you know, was able to help them out going going forward. But um, before we uh, go into uh, our interview with with Featherstone Flamingos, um, I I just wanted to know, like I said, you know, of course, we like I said, we got Yogi Bra on a show with us. Uh, you got a show in, in Richmond that you do. Tell us about that. Um, so pretty much it's River City 93. It's me and my co-host, Shanira Durant. Um, we pretty much started the show. I texted him with the idea about it. I was like, hey, man, no one's really talking about Richmond. There's no real dedicated podcast or soccer information you can ever find on Richmond because we're a lower league. So we were like, all right, let's do our own podcast. So I recorded the first episode, and then maybe like two days later, Total Soccer Show, you know, everyone knows Total Soccer Show if you're a soccer fan in America, said like, hey, we got a special announcement. We're going to do something real cool for the home team. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, God damn it, I swear if they announced it, the kickers are going to be pissed. And then like two days later, one of the shows there announced like, hey, we're going to be covering the Richmond kickers for one show a week. And I was like, come on, man. Like, my podcast just barely started. Like, so I was kind of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It sucked, you know. But then, like, talking to them, and they're great guys. Like, Taylor and Daryl, like, I would say they're my podcast mentors, man. Um, and talking right. to a couple of my other friends, they were kind of just like, you know, Total Soccer Show, they they in the tack. That's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, you do everything else. You get the players, you get the fans, you know, the ins and outs, supporter culture here. Um, so with the show, we also been working with the Richmond Kickers on doing a Heritage Night that shows, you know, black culture, Asian culture, Muslim culture. You know, I hate to say it like this, but it's probably the best way I can describe it. The minorities here in the city of Richmond and giving them a platform to show, like, what we bring to the game of soccer. And also right. having the Kickers... Because you're from Richmond, so you know, like, the kickers are really known for being on West Broad Street, Carytown, U of R, and Shore Pump. They're not really known for going to North Side, South Side, East End, those areas where the minorities are. So this night, and the club's been doing great work about it all season. They've been to charity programs in those community areas, the Boys and Girls Club, Sacred Heart, things of that nature, going out to these communities, interacting with people, and getting them to the games. Mm-hmm. And we're also designing a jersey with the proceeds going to um, the Black History Museum here in Richmond, El Campo, which is a Latin American soccer group that's totally, like, free for the kids. So pretty much these kids, they practice from June to July. They get um, – they start up with the program with two soccer balls, cleats, and shin guards, and by the end of the program, they get to leave with all of it. So it's really like building soccer within those communities that don't have access to go play club soccer. You guys talk about all the time the good old boy network. And we from here in Richmond, you know, places where they're not MLS clubs and you don't have that right. access, it's really hard to get into. It's 10 times harder to get into soccer, you know. 
Right. Heavily here in Richmond Public Schools, where the number one priority, you know, is football. <laughs> so their number one the priority should be, you know, staying afloat. How about that? Yeah, How that's about true. That? That's also true. <laughs> but, you know, we're not going to get on that subject. That's a whole different show. <laughs> um, and then the last program that we're donating money to is so I'm a member of a Black Greek letter organization, Alpha Phi Alpha. And our education program, which goes into um, goes into urban schools, we do read days, we do back to school drives. So giving money back to that, so we can expand that fund and whatnot, and give back to those cultures. You need to get that 06 up 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 there at the, at the kickers game. That's what you need to be doing, man. Hey man, look, I'm always repping it. It's hard to though, because you know you can't drink in Nelia, so I have to find creative ways how to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find creative ways. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, we're actually going to go into some of the creative ways that uh, that uh, other stuff flamingos are are doing in up in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, we're going to hit a, hit a quick break, and uh, we'll have that interview for you. On the flip side, we're going to be talking talking about my, my team, at least my my home, Lane and also uh, Coco Golf. You know, like I said, let him have a good week. Let us have a, have a good week. So yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be right back in just a three. Cool. We are back. We are, we got Featherstone Flamingos here on the show with us. We call our car. April, I I used to your last name. <laughs> Kigea. Okay, I just yeah. want to make sure I got that, got that that <laughs> I don't know if it was a foul or not. Right. <laughs> That's what's up. Of course, we still got got uh, Yogi on on the line with us. Yeah, man, I just have, have, have you on the show, man. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Cool, cool, cool. We couldn't get Chris on the phone. You know, everybody's being trying to be a grown adult on on Tuesday, but it's all good. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, man, uh, uh, Featherstone. Uh, uh, like I said, we we've been working together for uh, you know since basically the start of the season. I met Chris up at Chattanooga, and uh, this is my first time you know talking talking to you guys. Uh, you know, just uh, kind of just to take a, a step back real quick. Like like what ex- I know, Chris had told me a few months back that he was kind of thinking about studying up uh, on this group. So like uh at what point did like you guys get involved with uh, creating Featherstone? Uh, and tell us like like what's the basically what's the uh, the mission for Featherstone? Yeah, so Chris um, contacted us I don't know a couple months ago and said you know he's thinking about this idea to bring Black culture um, into our our um, soccer team. I mean the team is very diverse in and of itself, and we want the crowd to represent the players. Usually it's the other way around. Um, um, and, you know, we're just trying to bring people together, bring the community together, specifically younger kids as well, just because soccer is not really one of those sports that, you know, kids of color gravitate towards too. It's, it's more like football and basketball and, and with a pro team in your backyard, you know, it's a great opportunity to do that. Yeah. I was going to say, Chris kind of texted us. We sat down, wanted to decide what our goal was, what we wanted to do. And the biggest thing we wanted to show was that representation. Um, we kind of mentioned it. April mentioned it with the players. You got guys like Carter Manley and Mason Toya who are on loan from Minnesota. But then you got guys from like Don Smart. You have Brandon Eaton. You have Sean Russell. So we have players that look like us in all shades and different forms. So 
just having that be promoted as much as we can is really big because we got Labara, who kind of promote that Latinx section. You have Mingle Ladies, which April is also co-founder of, to represent the women that are out there. So we get, kind of just felt like we needed that extra group and that extra showing of support. And, you know, Madison is more diverse than people, I think, realize in Wisconsin. I mean, compared to most other big cities, it's still not that diverse, but for Wisconsin standards, mm. it is. And yeah. to have that show that there is that <clears throat> diversity, there is that representation, I think that's just the biggest thing we want to do and kind of just be that group that someone could reach out to. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, uh, one of my best friends, I was actually on the phone with him before I went to sleep earlier, and uh, he's actually uh, he's done some work up in Wisconsin and uh, up in Madison. He was telling me it's like yeah. Now I was telling him about this interview. He was telling me like like yeah, like like Madison is diverse as hell. Like you know, like people think that uh, you know. I think it's just a, a general perception about Wisconsin in general that you know it's, it's hell. But of course, you go to you go to Madison, you go to go to Milwaukee. Like yes, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty diverse. And yeah. um, I, I, like so, like how like how has it been so far? As far as like 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 where do you normally go to kind of I guess you know find find people that 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 are, that are like us that are you know that will be open to checking out uh, for Madison. I think a lot of it's going to be, oh, I was going to say, a lot of it is word of mouth and going in the stadium. Um, at least for me personally, if I see someone out there in the stadium, I at least try and talk to them, get their name, let them know that we were out here. We have this brand that we're working on. So I think that's going to be the way I'm going to approach it the most. I know April knows everyone. She has a connection with everyone in Madison, it seems like. So I don't know she can definitely everyone, do more of the I'm... outreach. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty connected in, in Madison, um, particularly with the, the um, women of color in the area. There's a lot of um, African, different African groups in Madison as well to tap into um, different schools. I mean, there's there's so many opportunities, Boys and Girls Club, um, MSCR, the after school program. My husband's a principal at a middle school. So there's definitely a lot of people to tap into. So and I've just been inviting people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I've just been, been inviting people that I come in contact with, like, hey, come to this group, you know, let's, even our our kickball team. Like, I, I think our kickball team, Kyle, is like three-fourths black, maybe? I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot mm-hmm. of us on there. So, there's, I was going to say the majority you know, of it is people of color. Right, which is really cool to see because I would never have thought that. Um, but, yeah, just recruiting and, and, like Kyle said, word of mouth. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I, I I saw that uh, a few weeks back. Uh, y- y'all uh, uh, faced uh, Minnesota. Y'all had y'all's biggest crowd up uh, that day. Did y'all hear me? No. No. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try, try it again. Uh, a few weeks back, y'all had uh, y'all's biggest crowd. Uh, uh, y'all had a friendly up against Minnesota United. Uh, t- tell us about that experience. It was, it was amazing. I, I didn't expect it to be. I think it was four to eight hundred people, which was the largest crowd that Madison's had, and it, it's just, it just got loud. It just got crazy, and you had, you know, because of the partnership that Minnesota has with Ford Madison, you had a lot of people from Minnesota come down to the game in terms of like the ownership group. Um, I think like Manny Lagos, who's just a Minnesota legend. He was down there and he knows Peter well, pretty well. 
So just having that was a good thing. And then you were able to get all those players and along with not just Ford Madison players, but Green Bay, they were able to bring up some of their players up as well. So it was a good experience for them. And in terms of the crowd, it, it was an entertaining game. You know, it ended 2-1. Um, but everything, like the goal was scored right in front of the flock end. The fan, it looks like the fans had a good time. And for a lot of them, this is their first soccer that they've attended. So mm-hmm. to give them a, that kind of spectacle and display, just showing that, you know, this is what we do. And it's not just a one-off because it's a Minnesota United friendly, but we do this every game, every time that we're out here. So it's, it was awesome. It was a good time. Um, we talked to Chris and uh, Andrew Schmidt back at the beginning of the season, back uh, during, at the first game at against uh, Chattanooga. Uh, from that point to now, like, I guess, like, how would you say, like, the, the culture overall for medical experience? How has it grown just in that little bit of time? <laughs> um, I mean, I got involved, like, right before, I think, the first home game, maybe. And, I mean, the crowd, like, it blew my expectations out of the water just with the crowd. Our first game was um, a snowstorm. Yeah. We had, like, just thousands of people came out from the tailgate all the way through the game. People were, you know, on their feet the entire time. And it, it literally hasn't stopped since. Like, it's grown every single game, which is just amazing. <clears throat> Even when the team wasn't necessarily doing the best as far as um, playing at home, but the team still came out. And that just goes to show, like, the culture and the community that we're building, which is just amazing because we're, it's like an extension of your family. I mean, not only do we spend so much time with each each other outside of game days with planning meetings and different things like that. Um, but then, like, on game days, it's it's just, it's amazing. You got anything over there, Elliot? Uh, no. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like, at first, I thought Ford Madison was really gonna be, like, FC Cincinnati of League One, <laughs> where they were just... No, I honestly was, man, because being a hater, fan, I had to... No, 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 no. Not a hater. Just an observer. Totally different. Um... At first, I thought so because how Cincinnati came into the championship, they were just loud, brass, but not really doing anything. And I thought Ford Madison would be the same way. But to see, like, the different groups that Ford has, like, I think there's a French Flamingos and a Florida Mingos and an English Mingos. Yeah. And how yeah. they really embrace. Like, I was telling with my friends, this is why I love USL more than I love MLS because USL clubs, they allow their supporters to really take the club and run off with it in different directions. And that's something you don't see a lot in MLS club culture. Um, you know, me being like a somewhat supporter of DC United, only reason I root for DC United is because I'm close to DC. But mm-hmm. what I heard a lot is that, you know, DC United is very cool with one supporters group where they kind of ostracize the others. <clears throat> but, yeah. but for me being here, being a Richmond Kickers fan, you know, even though we have one supporters group, the front office is pretty much open to all supporters and any ideas coming into the club. Like, heck, they allowed me to create a white, South Asian, Japanese, Muslim culture in the city of Richmond, where most clubs probably wouldn't even think twice about that idea. But the club was like, hey, we never thought about this. We want to take this idea and run with it. Out there in Madison, you have these guys, you know, I don't even know if Flamingos are even native to Wisconsin, but for them to even <laughs> think of the idea and then <laughs> for them to even think of the idea and just to run off with it is amazing. And then, you know, to have Feather 
just on a black supporters group inside USLE. Well, even though, like, when we play these guys, I'm going to be rooting against them. But outside right. of that, like, I'm always <laughs> going to support these guys because, you know, it's my culture being represented at the league in soccer. So that's important to me. Awesome. September 14th, I know, you know, there's, there's a game in, in Richmond, September 14th, you know. I've been told I should come. I've been told I should come. Yeah, we're trying to sure. work on it. We're working hey, on it. You need to, to get man. the funds. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, look, I know all about funds. Being a teacher, I know a lot about funds. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, we, we've all partnered together for, um, for the Featherstone Scarf. Um, I know from... I think Chris hit me up about this maybe like two months ago um, about doing a scarf. Me, I, I've I've been kind of running around with my head cut off the past uh, month and a half. But um, I uh, I guess like like what kind of on your end like what kind of went to the thought process of like doing like pink? Uh, of course, you had uh, adding black to the regular pink and blue. Um, I. Uh, of course, I, like we had a previous design that was kind of like more to like the the main the main uh, board uh, home jersey, but like what what kind of went through y'all's process as far as um, which like what direction y'all wanted to go? Yeah, well, so I mean, we definitely of, wanted to represent. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say you go uh, ahead. <laughs> we definitely wanted to represent the team colors for sure, um, and then the black. Uh, came in just to represent us, our culture. You know, we, we wanted to have like a, a strong showing of black in there so that um, when people looked at it, like they could, you know, they could really get the sense of the Featherstone um, culture behind it. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was kind of just trying to think of how do we want to incorporate the black culture into that scarf? Because we were bouncing ideas, like maybe just go just black. Do we want to incorporate the African color? So, you know, red and green and yellow, just trying to find a way. But it kind of felt like having the team colors, but then also incorporating black was a way to create the best of both worlds. You mm-hmm. know, it can still have that brand that we've been, that's Ford Madison is established and that we're a part of. But then we still have that black that shows like, okay, you got that black culture it really pops. It really stands out, especially compared to the other colors. So, like the just having it stand out really was. And once the final product came out, it was like, yeah, this is it. Yeah, um, I, I was very, very happy with the uh, with the remount. You know, we still have a few more days left here with the presale. Um, presale on on this coming Sunday, the seventh, as the same day as the World Cup final, Gold Cup final. Uh, Flamingo final, my buddy Copa. final. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of finals going on on the same day. So everyone's yeah, just make, that. Basically, basically, you know, if 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 you got go, something going on, you want a brunch final. Hey, it's, that's your day. <laughs> but um, but uh, kind of like you know, of course, this is the first season of the USL uh, League One. Um, I know, of course, uh, Richmond's been around for a hot minute. Uh, of course, with the all, so y'all kind of like on on the on two different spectrums here, where Richmond's been the longest running American team in the country, and Ford Madison has on uh, the first first year. Uh, I guess like like 
how do y'all see y'all seasons um, going so far? I know Elliot, you got you got your uh, like like you've been you've been you you you've been having um therapy sessions, man. But so like like what I was saying, how have y'all experiences been going? Um, right now, man, it's it's rough. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like we've lost six out of seven. Um, we've having a real big problem. I would say in the attacking. We want to play this possession style, possession type of uh, possession style of soccer. But what's happening is is that where we're passing the ball in the back, it's kind of like the U.S. right now. We're passing the ball in the back half, but no one's making a penetrating <laughs> run, so nothing's happening, and it's just like everyone sees it except for them on the field because they're in the midst of it. So it's kind of like we're telling them, like, hey, don't run into the burning building, but they're running into the burning building anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, outside of that, we've had a good run. I would say that a lot of our fans probably came into this year uninformed because there were a lot of new teams coming in. Um, the only team that we really knew about was Toronto FC, and that's because we both played in the championship last year. Every other team to us was just kind of either – getting made new, like Ford and Lansing and I believe Chattanooga, or there were kind of like a USL or MLS affiliate, or they were coming up from League Two, like Tormenta. And I would say, shoot, halfway through the year, I was like, oh, yeah, some of these teams are for real. Like, I to tell you the truth, y'all, I did not expect South Georgia to really take off the way how they did. Nor did I expect North Texas to have like this all star team of monsters <laughs> over everyone. Um, this last week, so you know, hey, things happen. I mean, hey, it does. A broken clock got to be right twice today. <laughs> I mean, I can't really say much. We're getting annihilated by one nothing goals all over down the field, so. Kind of sucks for us, but hopefully this midseason break kind of helps us um, smooth out some things. Um, we had an expedition. Uh, we have a friendly against Lionsbridge, who is the local League Two team here, um, and their season should be wrapping up, I think, on the sixth. So hopefully, if things look good in that game, we might be able to sound their striker, who scored, I believe, ten league goals so far in fourteen games. So he's wow. been on fire. So I think there's been talks of signing him on. I think we're also looking to bring in. A couple of other guys that's gotten cut from DC United U23 squad. So kind of just looking to see what we can get, bringing some extra attacking depth. Yeah, I guess, I guess for the Ford season, you know, it started off the first two games losing 1-0 both on the road because Wisconsin weather, you can't predict when to have a home opener. So they tried having it late. Just having that road-heavy schedule to start with made it tough for them. But they were playing every game tight you know the Chattanooga game it was an impressive volley from their striker and that's how they scored North Texas the first time they get a late penalty and I think the third game was at Orlando City and they won that one but they have that rough patch and I think the problem with the rough patch is they just couldn't score they were creating all these chances just left and right but couldn't put it in the back of the net and some of it was impressive goalkeeping some of it is going off the post but that's been the issue for Ford at times is they created all these chances, but they couldn't convert on them. Thankfully, lately, they've been able to do that now. But, you know, they haven't had a number nine that's been consistent all year. We thought it'd be Mason Toya. It hasn't fully gotten to that point yet. 
they just brought in um, Oliver White, who's on loan from Memphis. So maybe he can be that guy that turned out. But otherwise, it's been trying to put Powell Jr., Don Smarter, J.C. Banks, just having a rotation of guys at that striker position, but hasn't really converted. But when they do convert those chances, you know, you see it in the North Texas game. They win 4-1, to one, and they're looking like this team yeah. that has all the speed on the wings. But overall, I think they've had a good season. I think I wish they would be higher. I feel like they dropped a couple games. But other than maybe one or two games, they haven't been outplayed all season. You, you piggy on that on uh, April? Not what he said. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, lastly, before we uh, uh, wrap up, um, actually, it's, it's it sounds like, you know, uh, Featherstone has been completely embraced by the, um, the FOC and the Fort Madison community. Like, like where do you guys, like, kind of see uh, things going um, for the rest of the season? Um, to get more kids involved, bring the younger community to the games, um, possibly some clinics as well. We, there were in some talks with, um, some community partners to do some soccer clinics. Um, and then in the fall, really amp up our community engagement in the schools. Once schools are back in session, get the players involved with them. And then hopefully next season, you know, we'll have twice the supporters out there, including kids and their parents. Yeah, you guys. And also, before before I go, like, uh, gotta get us out to the um, to the Mingo lady. Uh, tell us about about the ladies. About the ladies. So, um, that's another supporter group. Um, I co-founded with Sarah Griffin, just to bring women into the fold. I mean, soccer is predominantly men, and a lot of our tailgates and activities, people are sometimes shy to come by themselves. They don't know anybody, so. Mingle Ladies, along with Featherstone, is that opportunity to say, okay, hey, you may not know somebody, but there's going to be another female there that you can connect with. And, you know, we talk to them offline, and then we meet up at the tailgate and then bring them into the community that way. So usually when people can identify with a particular group, they're more apt to come. And so that's helped bring a a lot more women into the fold as well, whether they're soccer players or not. Like, I have a couple friends that now are with me at every single game just because it's fun. You know, they came once, and (laughs) they're like, when's the next game? So... Similar, similar path. Cool, cool, cool. And like Kyle said earlier in the show, April's connections go everywhere. Like there's, there's even Kadeas <laughs> in, in a, uh, in Green Bay. Uh, her son is actually a player for for Green Bay. Uh, how's this season going? This is it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, he got to actually play four forward Madison against uh, Minnesota. Was that last week? So that was fun to watch him play here in Madison. Um, it was, it was a good game. He's, he's having a great time. He's looking forward to the game on Thursday that they have. And um, it's, it's like an all-star team. He plays for Gonzaga during the school year, but he's having a great time with these guys in Wisconsin. And he's just looking forward to, to excelling his career, hopefully. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, say, um, yeah, Green Bay is, is League 2. Ford and Richmond are, are League 1. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, just from my personal experience, just from seeing, you know, I was able to see Memphis earlier this year uh, on, on the championship. And, of course, I saw uh, Chattanooga and Ma- uh, Madison uh, earlier in the year. I, just like how y'all were getting that earlier, I think that there's definitely – there's two things here. There's One, there's a supporter culture here that I think that it's too bad that – MLS isn't doing more to try to 
figure out a way to where you want to get these these cultures and these groups try to figure out what to, to integrate everyone into one whole system because there's culture everywhere, there's fandom everywhere, passion everywhere, and you know to to have a system that ultimately excludes that you know it's, it's really unfortunate because you know there's you know just from like I wish I were there for Chattanooga um, Chattanooga of course we ran into the Chattanooga support we also ran into supporters from Detroit City because they were playing each other in, in a friendly and you know just having everyone together breaking bread and kind of seeing all the different everything everyone on different spectrums like that's really cool to see like i i hope that one day you know u.s soccer and mls figures out a way to like you know we need to bring this all all up on one all to one table and and really you know let this thing loose but um um where can we find you guys on the socials, April and uh, and Cal? We're on Instagram and Twitter, Featherstone um, Flamingos. So we don't have a Facebook, but we're real prominent on on the other two. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, the the Twitter uh, handle is FWD, kind of like just like how to do with the flock. FWD Featherstone, and then Instagram is this full Featherstone underscore Flamingos. Uh, yeah, like I said, they're definitely a great follow. Those of you who already checked the, the culture of Featherstone Scarf, you can find it at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash, forward slash F-T-C Featherstone. Uh, you know, a pre-sale go, goes on until Sunday. Make sure you get it. It's $25 uh, uh, scarf. Shout out to American Football Provisions. Uh, for helping us out with uh, making this scarf. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting a result. Like, um, at least from everything they told us uh, over the weekend, yeah, everything should be ready, ready to rock um, before the end of the month, and I'm looking forward to getting this. I hope y'all are, too. And also, if you order the feathers on scarf, you get 20%, I think it's 20% off at yeah. the For yeah. the Culture shop. So make sure yeah. you do order that scarf. You can also go ahead and buy some other gear from them. Yeah. The perfect two for one. We got sports <laughs> shirts, Richmond shirts. Uh, like I said, you know, we can hook you up, man. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that, man. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad y'all were able to uh, come on. Ho- like I said, hopefully, though, like I said, September 14th, you know, we can all you know get this thing together, man. Uh, yeah, that'd together. be nice. Yeah, it'd be dope, We're going to try to make it work. We're going to try to make it work. Cool, cool, hey, cool. look! I need more of my people in the crowd, yo. <laughs> <laughs> we feel you, man. We feel you. Yeah, we gonna get on that before we gonna get on that before before the end of the show. Elliot. Trust and believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm glad y'all were able to come on. Man. I appreciate that. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Cool, cool, cool. And we are back. Uh, thanks to April and Cal from Featherstone for coming on. on I'm mad that Chris could could make it on the show, but like I said, everybody trying to do God's work right now, so you know it's it's, it's all good. Um, again, resale goes on until Sunday. Make sure if you haven't already done so, 
done that, that you get that done. You know, like I said, whether you doesn't even matter if you if you if you're if you follow Ford Madison, if you just, you know, dig scarves or dig black people, you know, hey, like I said, we, we do our thing, man. You know, we we, we come up with a job swap. It's a we we do our thing, so we definitely appreciate your support. Um, no, we're we're recording this on on Tuesday, the the epic battle between Brazil and Argentina. Actually, we just we just saw saw that finish. Brazil um, beat Argentina at home two 0 They're going to the finals of the Copa America. You know, it's it, how can I put this? I don't think Messi's gonna gonna win a trophy with Argentina. I just I just don't see it happening. You know, no, he's oh, no. he's getting older, and you know I don't know if he's got it in him to stick it out to twenty twenty two and see if he can you know try one more time with Argentina because you know this might have been you know at least that generation of Argentina like you know Aguero, um, yeah, Messi. Like this, this might be it for them. I, I mean, honestly, it, it is. It, it is. Aguero is what close to thirty. Di Maria is close to thirty. I think the main problem with Messi and some other people, you know, this talk always comes up is they rely too heavily on Messi. It's almost like the LeBron James effect. Oh yeah, absolutely. James is so great that the rest of the team is like, give it to LeBron and he'll solve the issue. You know, and right. So I'll make the comparison. You have Cristiano Ronaldo, who is like Kobe of our sport. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what, Kobe gonna put up his shots. He will get his numbers. He will get his, but he gonna lead you to a title. There's not a real right. system with Cristiano Ronaldo. There's not a real system with Kobe. But you know, like they are going when they t- when it comes time for them to do it, they are gonna do it. Right, you know, Messi is kind of like LeBron James. You know, it it has to be a certain system in place. He has to be playing in a certain position. He has to make sure he can execute this, 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 and this, and he has to have the supporting cast around him that can help him. Mm-hmm. Now, Leo and that's Roman, the thing about they—they they have the supporting cast. Like it, it makes like you have to look at like the, yeah, the team. That and, that is, and that's the other thing too. But you. You know how some fans are. Lionel Messi doesn't have a supporting cast, but here he is with Di Maria, Kuna Guerrero, Dabala. Like, you would say the only weak part of that Argentine squad is maybe what? Maybe goalkeeper? I've always back here and there, and that's it. Maybe. maybe. Romero's still there, but, like, he's been backing up De Gea for the longest at, uh, at Man United. Well, I, I think yeah. that he's more than good enough yeah. to start at Pretty much at least any mid table, probably in, in, in the top five leagues, not not including MLS because you know, shout out to Rigo. But uh, <laughs> I think that uh, I think that oh, ooh, that was a nice save. Uh, I, I, I'm catching the highlights right now. Um, but um, oh. I think that uh, like I said like they have support, like, like it's the, the difference between the with LeBron. Uh, comparison is that you know in most cases LeBron maybe depending on the year and the team he might have had support and but Messi's always had support like he's got 
he, there's talent around him in Argentina. And it's like they always default to him. And it's like, you know, you should be u- utilizing your entire team to make this work. Otherwise, it's putting too, way too much pressure on him. And ultimately, you have, it's, you know, a situation like this where, like, because all things considered, like, they had a relatively rough tournament. Like, you know, just they, were, they weren't sure if they were going to make it out the group stage. You know, they, they, they lucked out by having to play uh, cutter in, in the last uh, in the last group match, but by and large, like you know, it's it's basically been you know very, very consistent on on their end. Um, whereas like you look at Brazil, like they started out rough, but it feels like they they're kind of reaching their hitting their stride going into the final. Um, yeah, I am. Um, I'm thinking that they'll probably. I know like. You still had to play the the other semifinal between uh, Peru and uh, and Chile. For Chile, they've won the last two Copa Americas, and uh, so I would think that you know this might be. Uh, they've been playing pretty well. They they might be in line to make make it to a third straight final. But uh, I'm I'm still actually kind of surprised that they they uh, managed to beat um, managed to beat Colombia. That was. Like that, I, I honestly thought this was going to be Columbia's here to finally break through, but they end up losing out on on PKs. So like, yeah, like that's that's tough, you know. Uh, yeah, it was uh, like I. First of all, Columbia had the best jerseys in the whole tournament. Just putting that out there. Of course. Secondly, yo, like this Columbia star is so easy to root for. Because yeah. you can just this team like just you can see they are steadily one of the better teams in in comedy world and probably international soccer, but I don't know why, but they just can't get past that glass ceiling. Like it's just a glass ceiling of like a quarterfinal. They just can't yeah. get past. Yeah, I was I was hoping to have uh, my Perseros homies on on the show, but they're actually in Colombia right now. I was like, well, shit, I guess that ain't gonna work. Work. Oh um, yeah. Um, the oh, show. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that all things considered, you know, they they just like how we we're talking about with with Argentina possibly being at the end of their uh, you know generation. I I think you you might run that a little bit with Colombia as well because like you're going back, you know, of course you go back to 2014 when they made their run uh, during the Brazil World Cup. Um, that year, you know, it's five years later now, there's still no no trophy to speak of, you know, whether it be Copa America or World Cup. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Falcao will probably no longer be in the picture um, for, for this cycle because I think he's getting it up there. Matter of fact, we're talking about uh, him coming to um, to Miami for um, MLS next year. So, who, James? Oh, uh, no, not, not, um, not James, uh, um, oh. Falcao. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, this Columbia squad—I I would disagree to the point to say they're they're done. Their window's done because the only player they might be losing is maybe Juan Cuadrado, who is what thirty-one. Hamas mm-hmm. is still Hamas can still give you another run. He's twenty-seven and Falcon. I didn't realize he was still so young. I was like, like, like he was like literally like like a baby uh, when um, during the twenty fourteen. I was like. 
Yeah. Remember, he came on the scene. He came on the scene with Porto when they won the Europa League, and then mm-hmm. that's like when he got. Then from there, he played the um, World Cup, got hot, and that's where Real Madrid came in, and then he got loaned two years at the Bayern. So that's why yeah, it's like one thing because he's been on the scene that, so long. That, like people are like he's old as hell. Yeah, like like it, it, it's still kind of crazy like how he ended up um, at Bayern because. You know, for the most part, I don't think he really fit them whatsoever. I, I last I heard, like he now that that time is pretty much over, and it looks like uh, Real's still not looking to use him. I'm like, which actually makes no sense at all the world at all to me because they, I think they with them rebuilding as well. I think that he would be the perfect guy to, to build around. But you know, hey, that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll give you like a funny thing because they spent what five trillion dollars, so they got to be like, all right, look, Hamas, I know you want to play in Real Madrid, but we're gonna sell you just to bring some money in, so we don't get hit with a transfer ban, somewhat that we'll never get hit with. But we got to make it look like we're making an effort. Yeah, I guess so. Because yeah, I heard um, uh, Napoli is um, in line for him. I, oh. Before I forget, I, I, I meant to bring this up during um, during what well, we were talking about the U.S. Uh, Josie, like they're talking about like him going to China. Go get your like that money. Go get your money, my man. Go get your money. Go get your money. I mean, you know, it might be yeah, it, it's it's a lot to think about there because I mean, you know, he's well, he should he's thirty, which is to me too. You know, he's, he's got he's got the got the misses. He got he got Miss Stevens. You know, you know, wait, waiting to, to you know marry her. And I'm like, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be pressed to, to to make that move. You know, given that you know he's trying to start sort of family and everything. And from everything that at least that he's insinuated, like he's happy in Toronto. So you know, I think it really comes down to you know whether or not Toronto really wants to you know keep him. Uh, presumably for the rest of his career, because um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I with, with with at his age and his skill level, the fact that any team is offering ten million to, to buy him, I'm like, I, I I'm pretty sure they'd be like, hey, they'll take that money and run. Oh yeah, most definitely, man. Like Jose, it's weird to say to even think about it that Jose at one point in time was our biggest transfer fee coming out of MLS. Like, that's insane to think yeah. about now. But the fact that he's even now still getting attention from China, because you would think China's not – why would China go after an American player? Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Because you would think it would be someone on the younger end, not like Joe's. Because he's American and trying to, you know, break into the, the American market. But speaking of $10 million, that, that seems to be the magic number. Our our main man, our, 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 our big little brother uh, – uh, Tim he's leaving PSG to go to. Uh, I'm actually very hype about this move because, like, Lille oh. actually does a pretty good oh. job with developing players, and I think that obviously with where PSG is, it's, it's just difficult as hell um, for young players to really break in. Unless, unless you're Kylian Mbappe, you probably ain't breaking in at PSG at 20 years old. It's just not happening. Oh no. So, no. But I mean, I'm very excited for the move. I think Leo, I think Lil is a great spot for him to go train at. Definitely, he's going to get a lot of game time there. 
Um, Lil kind of remind me of the same setup as um, Rusia Dormant, where they put a lot of money in the youth, and when that youth hit that hit that threshold, they're like, "Hey, look, we're gonna sell you tenfold." You know, yeah. And they don't seem like the kind of club that's just gonna hold on to you, like, "Oh, hey, we don't want to let you go because of this odd reason." Like they've done the same with um, Eden Hazard. You know, I think they're doing it with a couple of other players that's been there. So. Leo has this history of getting young talent, regardless of where they're from, getting them really developed very strongly, and then selling them on to bigger and better clubs. So I can see it working out great for, for him. Yeah, I think it'll be great. Of course, um, Lil, they, they placed uh, second last year in League On, so they, they'll be getting Champions League action next year. So, like I said, it's, it's a great platform for him to really, you know, Take that next step. You know, he had it. He had a uh, under twenty World Cup. So you know, I think that he'll definitely be in a position to you know progress even further, and hopefully be in a position where you know he can be relied on for the national team. You know, going into next year, and because um, I think that I know that for the most part he's been necessarily used on the, on the wing, given his size. But I, I like. I always look back at like his father, and I'm like, his bro- his father has some size on. Him. I'm like, I think that Tim has some time to like, you know, kind of see his body fill out. I think he actually probably will eventually be an option up front, and like, so it'll be very interesting to see like how that ultimately goes. So um, yeah, yeah, I see him playing up top. Um, I really do like about on the wing because of his size build. He usually go into more or less. You know, not saying that fullbacks are weaker, but they're not as usually strong as your center backs. Um, I actually mm-hmm. like Tim on that wing a lot just because of his. I won't get into like how the media portrays black athletes, but like Tim is a really great. Oh, job. we did it last last week. Like we talked <laughs> about it. Like, you know, well, you know, we 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 got we got speed, we got pace. You know, we get, we got all, all 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 those nice physical a- aspects of it. But yeah, I think that like 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 I said, right now. Um, given his size, he probably is better off out in the wing. But I just think that, like I said, if you look at his father and how he played and how his, and his relative size, I think that that Tim's going to possibly fill up probably like, you know, when he's like, by the time he's like 25, 26. And, and then like you re- you'll really have a, have a choice to make as far as like, do you want to keep him out in the wing or do you want to take advantage of having a guy that fast? And that size up front, um, I think it all depends on, you know, like where our other strikers are at that point, whether it be Sargent, Soto, you know, whoever, whoever is um, in, in place at, at that point. So, um, actually, it's, it's, it's very exciting to see, uh, to see how he goes. Um, they kind of keep it on the, um, on the kid aspect. I, I got to talk about my home team real quick. Um, and, yeah, you got uh, Edison yeah. Hyman. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah. We got him. Like, I didn't realize he was twenty three. I thought he was like younger than that. Like, that's, uh, he's twenty three, man. Was, um, like, he, uh, he's uh, think about it like this. He's like one of the kids that necessarily didn't play college ball, kind of played over here, and then went overseas, and then kind of got yeah, lost like, over he, there, and then just came back. Yeah. Um. His um. His grandfather. Uh, uh, Shellis Hyman. He he was like the longtime coach at FC Dallas. He actually came up, obviously he came up through the 
FC Dallas Academy system. Uh, he went to England at, a, at, at 15 and has basically been over there since then. You know, he he came up through um, Bournemouth, uh, shout out to Reggie, and, uh, you know, his uh, and, and that program, uh, I think the past, like, two, three years, like, he's been kind of, like, been bouncing in, in and out of the roster. You know, he's had uh, some some loans in Scotland and, and uh, also in Lord of it. And I think it's just one of those cases where, like, you know, you want to go ahead and, and really get your career going before it's too late. You know, yeah, you know exactly. for the most part, 23 is a lot is old. Yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, for, for the most part, I don't think he would have thought that he would have, he would still be trying to break through on the roster at 23. So I think that, you know, ha- having him come here and obviously having a coach like Frank DeBoer, you know, running under should, um, should be well. And of course, it makes our team even deeper because I think that we're setting ourselves up pretty well, you know, for the postseason run. Because, like, you know, whether it's Miram, who turned into a fucking monster on Saturday. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I don't know where this Miram was in Orlando, yo. Like, that, that just blew my mind. I was like, wow, wow. Like, that That was that's crazy. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I think setting ourselves up pretty well for, um, for a postseason run. Mind you, like we we won on Saturday. That was without uh, Yosef. That we still don't have uh, Tito back. Uh, you know, we've, you know, we 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 managed to make a workhorse. On the flip side of that, you know, we uh, last week on Wednesday we were up in Toronto. That was a whole frustrating um, experience. You know, from literally from the airport to the game, to the end of the game because uh, <laughs> you know we. Normally we have a full seven man bench. We only had six men on the bench because um, our our wonder kid uh, Andrew Carlton left his passport. Home. Like, Yo, how does that even happen? And because of that, uh, Frank DeBoer, you know, they give you like, hey, look, make sure you have this. Make sure you have toothpaste. Make sure you have socks. Make sure you have your passport. Like, I don't. Okay, I'm seeing it from the outside in. This is your club, so you know more about him than I do. From what I've heard uh-huh. about is that he was supposed to be along with he. He was supposed to be that next generation of up and coming, exciting talent that everyone was like, "Yo, this kid is about that life. He's good. Yeah, he's great." He was supposed to be the Slovenia, the Soto, you know, the way of everyone that we were hearing about, and it's like. I'm kind of already not want to label him a bust, but just label him as I look at him almost like a Breck Shea or a mixed discaru, someone that U.S. soccer media has built up to be like the next golden child, and he mm-hmm. doesn't even seem to be even anywhere near close to that. Like from what I can imagine, he wasn't part of the U20 squad this upcoming year that he could have been part of. I haven't really heard him about yeah. being the U23s at all. So he doesn't look he's part of the international picture. Um, he's been a part of Atlanta United, too. I think I'm outside of maybe one or two games that I saw because, you know, I was watching Atlanta United, too, because y'all had one of our former guys, um, Luis Fernando. He didn't look all that impressive. And he, from what I've heard, he's been struggling, even to, not even break into Atlanta United, but just stay afloat Atlanta United, too. So 
Am I missing something with the kid? Um, you know, there's been talk, you know, basically like, you know, going back to last year, you know, of course we we can rewind back to um the the night before the MLS Cup final where he decided to go out and he ended up getting basically excommunicated uh, by uh, uh, and you know, he missed it on the Gold Cup final. He missed it on all the team celebrations. Like basically, he was persona non grata. Like he was not in the picture whatsoever. You fast forward to this year. You know, have I was under the impression that you know having a, a new head coach would kind of you know give a new lease on things because you know you have fresh eyes on the situation and you know hopefully in a position where, you know, you can regain your standing. And it just sounds like, you know, he hasn't taken advantage of that. And, you know, there's always been, you know, people want to use the age issue um, at play here. And I think that goes both ways because, I mean, like it was like it was like right around this time three years ago that he was that he signed in this kind of with Atlanta United. So he went from here to Charleston um, for the rest of that, that first year. And then he's been basically with the, uh, you know, between the first team here and AU2 um, the past uh, two years. And so, like, he, it's not like he, you can't say like he hasn't been in, in a professional environment where you, where you know your responsibilities and what you need, what you need to do as a professional player. Like, I think that that needs to be emphasized here. He's a professional player, and he, yeah. he has been for three years. So if you don't know by now, within three years, you know, like what's expected out of you, you know, there's going to be a problem. And, you know, because especially like for for a coach like Frank DeBoer, and of course, you obviously you saw with, with Tata as well, you know, that you might be young, but you're still, you're, st- you're, you're st- Expected to you know be a professional and do what you're uh, supposed to be doing, so that way you can get some action, and that way you can, you know, see yourself, you know, reach your potential. And, yeah, and honestly, I think, like I hate to say it, it kind of it. You might almost have to do like the um, Brett Favre thing, where he was at Atlanta and he just won't take it seriously. You might just have to ship, send him out to a place like a Vancouver or to a Minnesota or somewhere where he's not, like, he, he has to realize, like, yo, I had it made in the shade in Atlanta, and I'm at this place now where now I have this great buy to get back to where I was or to exceed right. where I'm at. And you might just have to send him out, you know? Hey, you know, it, it's interesting that you use Breck Shake because, like, of course, we, we use that example back when um, – we signed Breck Shea, and because I, I see a lot of parallels with through your hometown system, and you know, you show glimpses of obvious talent, but I think it comes down to when you are basically the hometown hero, and mm-hmm. you you got a little bit of you know super. Star clout in in um in your neighborhood. It's like <laughs> you think that you think that you're here, 
but it's down here. And so like, it, and it's, and it's, and it comes down to like, just not taking your craft as silly, seriously as you should, because, you know, like I said, this is your career, your career that we're talking about. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 18, 19, or 35, it doesn't matter. You know, you still have to, you know, carry yourself as a person as long as you are signed to a professional. And I do, like, we just sent out Lagos Kunga to Memphis uh, uh, almost two months ago, a little over a month ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got his time, and he's been able to get his time in there. And I do think that, you know, a change of scenery, whether it be alone or an outright, you know, uh, trade um, might be necessary. I, I would like to think that you know, there's still a future for him here, but I do think that he has some growing up to do, and I think that that likely involves going somewhere else, you know, and getting away from home. Because, um, like, I I don't look at his stay in Char- in Charleston as as the same thing. Because I mean, like, you know, that's still like just like down the road, and you're still it's like Richmond or Virginia Beach, right? <laughs> and, and I think that, like whether it be like you know going somewhere like um like Houston or or uh, or Little Rock or uh, or one of uh, Cincinnati's affiliates, like something like that, you know, to where you know you're really getting away from home and learning like how to carry yourself like on your own. I yeah. think there's a, there's there's something to be said about you know just going home and get mom's cooking and that that goes a long way as far as like you're you're still within your comfort level and so I, I think that you know going into the rest of the season and the possibly even next season like I think that it would definitely be if he doesn't if he doesn't step up pretty soon he's gonna have to really think about you know his future because I, I don't see where, where it, obviously our team isn't, isn't slowing down uh, to allow him to figure things out. Like he's going to have to catch up <laughs> right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's not like he has, it's not like he has a coach. I mean, he has a coach that believes in youth, but it's not like he's, he's Frank DeBoer's guy. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, there's a difference. You know, with Tata, you know, I hate to say it, you probably don't want to hear it, but Tata was there to win the title, win the title only. So culture probably culture probably wasn't even in his first plans. <clears throat> and Frank mm-hmm. DeBoer is brought in now to be this long-term coach. Well, Frank DeBoer is probably looking at it like, all right, I've given him chances. He's not one of my guys. I'm not going to play him unless he proves himself. I'm going to put the time into him, going to sell him. And it's up to culture now to prove him wrong and to show us, you know, hey, I am this caliber of player and to prove and try to be one of Frank DeBoer's guys. Because we, and like, we've seen it. We've right. seen it in the palace. We've seen it enter. We definitely see it at Ajax. He's not afraid to play kids if they, if they show glimpses of promise. He, the only time he yeah. does not play is when you don't show him anything worth playing. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, like, I've, I've done a little bit of homework, you know, regarding. Specifically, the IX system, you know, thanks to Reggie, who gives it to me nonstop. But uh, <laughs> I think that um, 
I think that one, they take they take their youth development very seriously. And oh, yeah. but 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 at the same time, they they instill at a very early age that you are responsible for getting to train getting to your training and making sure that you know you that you are taking the initiative and taking control of, of your career. You know at, at, at at class by a certain time, you got to be there. You need to be at training a certain time. You you got to make sure that you're be, that you're reading enough. I mind they'll support you all, you know, in every way that they can. But they definitely make sure that you know that you know you you have to be responsible for you. Because obviously, once you become an adult, it's going to be the same the same thing where yeah. you are expect you're expected to. Uh, expect to be accountable and i think i'm i'm hoping that that carlton you know turns sticks around to where whether it's here in atlanta or elsewhere you know he, he can be productive and you know and regain that potential that um that, that he had a couple of years ago because yeah he was one of those guys that was there with way and and, and goslin and kunga um, back at the U17 Cup a couple years back, and now it, it seems he's kind of been left lost in the shuffle. And yeah. you know, that, that's something that you know you. Indeed. And it kind of goes back to what we had uh, talked about you know before, as far as like you know, we have a very bad habit of overhyping players, and I, and I definitely, think especially here, because like you know, he was on magazine covers and everything down here. I think that you know. Uh, the the hype came too soon, but of course I think that was mainly because we had a new team and we had a player that was from Atlanta. You know, of course we got multiple players that are from Atlanta now. We got George Bellow like doing his thing. Of course I'm hoping that he'll be back within the next month or so. But you know you have you know guys like that that um that are from here and he was kind of like the poster boy for that and he hasn't been able to take advantage of that. So I'm hoping that like I said he turns things around. Uh, and, and on and on that note, like I said, you know, Atlanta's been, Atlanta's been you know, producing some good kids lately. You know, we, we got uh, we got we got our, our our little sister out in out in England, beating a legend, <laughs> Coco Golf, uh, from from Atlanta, beating Venus Williams in the first round. Like like yo, like I I've been blasting that shit like every every opportunity I get on social media. Like like you gotta remember like. That girl from Atlanta, like she, she did her training kind of just how how the Venus, um, how the Williams sisters did, but she's from Atlanta, you know. You got got a major prospect. I think like she's like the the youngest ever uh, qualifier to play in in um at Wimbledon, like in the Open era. So like you know, she's she's making history just by being there, and and, and she starts out just um, by by beating you know, one of the greats of the game. And uh, in, in Venus Williams, like that's uh, that's a huge thing, man. Like that's that's, that's really dope. Yeah, uh, you, uh, it's, a, it's a it's a real huge thing, man. I mean, <clears throat> when I got the alert on my phone that Venus lost, I was like, oh, she probably lost to like you know some bet. And then it was like another alert came up, like no, she lost to a fifteen year old from Atlanta. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So that, that's dope to hear, man. You know, definitely shots at her. I don't know. I don't know when the next time she plays. I hope you know I can catch it, but 
Now I see that, like I'm definitely gonna keep her my eye out for her, man. Because that that's impressive for you to be a legend like Venus in Wimbledon. It's not like you beat her in, you know, a pro am tournament or a charity match. You beat her at the Mecca of tennis. Yeah. And um on the flip side of that, you know, Venus Venus needs to have a talk because I'm like, you know, she's pushing to 40 now. I'm like, I think that was the perfect passing of the torch match. I'm like, yeah, I think it might be time for Venus to, you know, think about, you know, letting it go. Cause yeah, I I, I think that like I said, like that that would be a very poetic match to be like, you know what, let's 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 work on wrapping this up. Cause like, you know, of course she was that she was that young girl twenty years ago, over twenty years ago. Wow. Um you know, making her mark, and now that you know the next the next young black star uh, is is there, and, and like I, I, there's a lot of poetic poetic vibe to it. So yeah, I, I, it may be time for her to wrap it up. But um, and speaking of wrap it up, it might be time for us to wrap it up. It's like midnight over here. Yeah. Um, and you, you you're married, so your wife over there probably like yeah like when, when y'all gonna wrap this up but uh, I I definitely appreciate you you uh, coming on the show uh, like I said it was, it was pretty cool man no man I thank you yo for letting me on um I know I've been posting a lot of your pages and I've been putting my podcast on there I thank you guys for allowing me to have the opportunity to do that because to be honest with you yo like. It's not a lot of us in this soccer community, let alone journalists. So to have other people that you can talk to, bounce ideas. I think I came to you with an issue that I was having. We were just able just to talk about it. You know, it's great to have someone in the workplace that you can relate to and, you know, have someone that you can bounce ideas off of. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always, you know, able to, um, able and willing to help. Um, like I told you before, you know, make sure you guys go beyond West End for people. Like I said, we we out we out we out here in Petersburg. We out here in East End. Like you know, we're like we out here. Scorched Earth. I don't care if it. I don't care if it is the one. Scorched Earth. Get that whole city uh, behind the kickers, man. But uh, where can they find you on the socials, man? Working the Lord, like we say. Uh, where can they find you on the socials, man? Um, you can follow me personally on, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's that guy, yo. It's spelled out just like it says, T-H-A-T-G-U-Y-Y-O-G-I. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I do a lot more hot takes. I'm a little bit more lively on Twitter. Instagram is more of, you know, for the family. Um, <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Yogi McLovin, Y-O-G-I-M-C-L-O-V-I-N. And then you can follow our podcast, River City 93. Um, it's R I V. God, I can't even spell. It's River City 93. <laughs> I can't even spell. I just know how to spell, man. <laughs> Look, man, I've been putting about 12 hours shelves grading tests because it's summer school, dude. Um, no, but you can find us at Twitter, River City 93, R I V E R C I T Y 93. The numbers not spelled out. Um, and we're about to make, we're still trying to figure out the kings of making an Instagram page soon. Um, but yeah, you can follow all those right there. Cool, cool, cool. As always, you can always uh, reach us directly on FTC. You 
like we've mentioned before, make sure you get the uh, Horticulture Featherstone Summer Scarf. The pre-sale ends on Sunday at midnight Madison time. So that's bit.ly bit forward slash FTC Featherstone. Of course, we'll still be plugging that through all the socials um, throughout the rest of the week. So make sure that you do catch that. You know, we, we definitely want, are looking forward to seeing that scarf. And uh, you know, uh, we'll be, be out at uh, the LA and the game on uh, this weekend against uh, against the Red Bull. So definitely, you know, chop it up with us. Say what's up. You know, we speak, we talk. We're not we're not doing shit like that. At least not yet. So, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. But in the meantime, you know, for me, for Yogi, for Cuts of the Stone, for Tony Ring on the shot, culture's real. Culture's everywhere. Here. As you can see, uh, we'll, we will catch y'all next week. Yeah.